Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming back for another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather, and Lisa is with me today. Good morning. Lisa Murphy, in case you don't recognize her voice. <laughs> that My Lisa. friend Rusher voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you should do a whole podcast in a Fran Drescher. Oh, Pablo would kill me. <laughs> That's what he calls me. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Like, I always sound like Fran Drescher. <laughs> Oh, nothing wrong with that. Gosh. Nothing wrong with that at um, all. But another reason that you should look up the Weird Al movie from the 80s that I've told you about, because she's mm. in it. It's called UHF. Oh. Um, anyway, so Lisa and I have been talking for a long time now about digging into um, the the, te- the adult roles during play that are described in the book, uh, The Play's The Thing by Elizabeth Jones and Gretchen Reynolds. What's the subtitle? Um, teachers' roles in children's play. Yeah. So in this book, which is, again, a classic, we tend to get into some of these um, uh, sort of classics of the field, is to outline specifically what adults can be doing while children are playing other than interrupting and bossing and being in charge of the play, um, which is, I think, a pretty common question, a pretty common wondering for people who are who are trying to think about transitioning from the more traditional preschool looking classroom to a play-based program is, well, then what would I do? Or what's my role? Or how do I use the skills that I'm bringing? Um, if you're telling me. And they answer me. that quite eloquently yeah. on page 18. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so we have several roles to get into over a couple of episodes, but we're going to have one overarching quote for those, and that is this, adults who cannot enter into a playful context often create misery for themselves and others. Not to put it, you know, bluntly, but there it is. <laughs> well, and I think entering the play, I think that can be incorrectly interpreted as literally entering the play. Right. You can be very much involved with the play standing on the side right. of the room. Right. Um, which that that's even it's going before actually the first type of player um, of teacher the role of teachers um, but they ask you know what do I do while they're playing mm-hmm. and they really really give a nice overview of teacher as observer versus te- not versus and uh-huh. teacher as doer and and talk a little bit about that kind of awkwardness of right. you know what what do I do when kids are playing do I talk to other adults do I have a cup of coffee um you know do I intervene whenever anything pushes me out of my comfort zone or that I get worried about right. um but then they say but they pay little attention to the context of the play and the educational significance for children mm-hmm. I think that's because we're reacting to the play instead of reflecting on the play and I think when you sure. start reflecting on what you're observing then you can start making decisions that don't interrupt the play and maybe might facilitate the play continuing. And I I think having these identified roles that they give us in this book 
is could be even useful for those who wonder, well, then how do I do my planning? What will my plan mm-hmm. look like every week? Well, maybe you make a new form that has a box for each of these roles and you really just think through how you'll, um, how you'll, you know, sh- act as those different roles while children are playing. Yeah. And to that, you know, that's a actually very profound statement that you just said. And, uh, but it, it is for real. Like if you're new to the profession and you just heard what Heather said, I, I really, really want you to know that first of all, people hanging out with kids were facilitating play, free play, free choice play, spontaneous play <laughs> before any school supply company started making spiral bound lesson plan books. And and I know that might sound super cheeseball or super mm-hmm. snarky, but it's true and yeah. we forget that. Just because what you were given has five columns across the front and seven columns down the side does not mean that that's the only way to capture or plan if, if that's language that still mm-hmm. resonates with you. Yeah. You can make another system of doing that. Yeah. And we, we use the word teacher. That's, pr- that's the language of the field. But sometimes changing that word for our role is really helpful in this process too. And I think you've talked about being a facilitator. facilitator. Is that the word you say you prefer? That's what and I, I think like. that's awesome. And that's what all of these sort of fit into is more facilitating what's going on for children. I think the other part of entering into a playful context, as she says in this, as they say in this quote, is just believing in it. Like you've got to decide, do ultimately, do I really believe that play is the way to go? And if the answer is yes, then this will be very helpful. If it's yes. just not what you believe about children then nothing that lisa and i tell you about your role and if that is, is honestly resonate. how it is then you need to stop saying that you're a proponent of play-based right. early childhood right. education because at the end of the day you're not mm-hmm. there we got that in there okay so the first role that they identify is the teacher as stage manager um do you want to say them all and then oh, let sure. your listeners know yeah sure so here's the here's the list uh, teacher as stage manager, teacher as mediator, teacher as player, scribe, assessor and communicator, and planner. So those are, there's there's a lot in the book, of course, but those are the roles of the adult roles during play that they really outline and spend a lot of time with. Did I forget any? No, you said them all. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have the actual book with me. I just have my notes. And and I think it's also important to, to, to say that you could be wearing all of these hats, so to speak, mm-hmm. during one interaction with right. children, right? You can, right. it's not like, oh, I'm stage managing now. Right. And, and, 9 oh, to 9.30 is stage manager time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. a good point. I'm glad you brought that in. Yeah, but you can be doing all of it. So the first one is teacher as as stage manager. And, and that particular chapter opens by saying that the, the co- teacher's contribution to play always begins with the physical environment Mm -hmm. yes so yes and so you're a drama person you've got a a stage background does it show do you want to do you want to make any analogies (laughs) there for us well the stage manager is the person i mean they're the boss man they're Mm -hmm. running everything i mean the director has that creative vision and the stage manager is the one who actually executes it the stage manager is off to the sides um making sure that the light cues get read making sure that you come out on time making sure everybody knows their lines uh they're ready to assist you offside i mean they make everything happen they Mm -hmm. that we used to say that the the uh, the actors might be the face, but the 
but the stage managers is the neck. The stage manager is <laughs> making sure the head actually gets moved. And uh -huh. they are very much the guide on the side, not the sage on the stage. Right. And that circles back to my use of the word facilitator. But you're set you're setting the stage for then the play to happen right. on its own. Right. And so the authors talk about how as as this role you're answering the question, the children's question, what can I do here today? Yes. That, that's your role is to set up the environment in a way that shows them their options um, and provides the, the materials that they need for that. Um, it's up to the adults to provide enough space, materials, and time, and I'd say time is ooh, the most important, yes. by arranging the environment so the play can happen. Right. And what I'll add to their words is that you're also bringing in flexibility, which circles back to like breaking up with the control, because I might set the stage so that there are invitations because not not every kid walks into a space and and instantly gets that oh i can do mm -hmm. anything that's a you know i can do what i need to do within this room not every kid brings that to the table right away so i might i might do some provocations some provoking mm -hmm. or some invitations but at the end of the day i don't care what they do with you if i put a puzzle on the table and you bring it to the floor knock your bad self out you know what i'm saying <laughs> um Yes, but but that that's what I'm that's what I'm implying when I say bringing your flexibility to the table too. Right, right. Um, the the part of this section that really got me thinking, and honestly, I I have not quite solidified a lot of that thinking. But the the idea of the figure ground relationships. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I I've been trying to look for like a, an easy definition of what the figure ground relationship means. But in the in the book, they talk about. Um, and I think it's, if I remember right, it's even in the, you know, I'm I'm picking things up that they are done with and putting them back in their spot so that they can see their options again. And it's um, uh, setting, you're making clear the relationship between the background stuff and the the materials that are out there for them. Does, yes. Is that making sense? So so for me, the, the whole conversation that I've been having with myself about cleanup times with children came into this. Yes. This element, too, where uh, because I've always sort of felt like I need to apologize if kids are playing and they're engaged and I'm kind of around putting away the things that they've moved on from and not making them come back and get it because, you know, whatever, we need to raise these responsible adults who will pick up after themselves. Um, yeah. But but that's actually really an intentional piece of what they're talking about here as the teacher, as stage manager, is putting it all back in place so that they see their their options again or so that the materials don't become just the clutter around them. It's it's an invitation, like you said. I I read this book a long time ago and then reread it when you first, you know, uh -huh. said, Hey, I wanna unpack this again. I'm like, okay, what what my side notes at the time when I very first read it, uh -huh. I was a younger teacher and I knew in my heart that I didn't have the same cleanup issues that everybody else had. <laughs> like to me, it was like they've moved on. I'm like re this this book, this chapter gave me the language that I needed to uh -huh. defend kind of exactly my position, yes. my laissez faire. They're like, why aren't you, you? You should make them clean. I'm like, why? They're busy. Right. You know, it's like a sous chef. It's like somebody helping you when you're in the kitchen, but you got to be able to read the cues. Right. Uh -huh. If I'm over here. And then, but it's, I don't know, it's so much of it is reading nonverbal 
cues and picking up on things like how come you didn't do that and how come you like okay well they're still using that i've watched them go back and forth so i'm gonna leave that be Uh but nobody's been at the easel for a while so i'm gonna fill up the paint cups and put some fresh paper there so the the invitation can be clearly seen again yes Yeah. yeah yeah and that's um i mean that just describes my my process a little bit too i like i said i always felt like i needed to apologize and because i'm not a tidy person in my own life i just assumed well it's because i i don't care if they're tidy because i'm not tidy but it it does come down to this this chapter gave me the language to articulate further what i'd already been kind of working through yes um, i agree 100 um and they say to play requires the ability to choose in this chapter so part of what we're doing is is giving them their choices and um, real choice. I actually think, I, and I think I've said this on your show before too, the, the more I think about it, we're out there with our, you know, our signs and our slogans and bumper stickers about play, play, play. <laughs> but I think if you really unpack that, I think what we're more protectors of is choice. Oh, and yeah. I really, I because out of, out of an environment that facilitates and allows or permits choice and freedom comes mm-hmm. play. Right. Right. And it's it's not the same as um, giving them two activities and saying you can choose from these two activities. That's preference. Correct. That's not real true choice. Um, and so it's not meeting the same need that that we know allowing children to choose can meet. It for might them. be a very healthy baby step out of being the boss of everything. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's not your end goal. Right. It's, it's a, that's a, you hang out there for a little bit, you get your sea legs back, and then you take another step. <laughs> yes, yes. Or if... Which is good morning, come on in. Here it is. Not your bad self. <laughs> here is the choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, I think, yeah. let me say this because it clarifies yeah. what we were just saying. The teacher habitually brings order to the environment as she moves uh-huh. through it. Right. Because I want them to see clearly what is available right. for their So play. it's a perspective thing then too, because it's not order for the sake of um, being in control Cleanliness or being or clean tidiness. or being tidy or what the outside people might think. It's order for the sake of stage managing like making sure things are in their places when the players need them um, and they can see what they're what they're looking for I, i would also add to that that the more you break up with having toys in your environment versus open ended more loose part um Mm -hmm. stuff uh, the the easier i think it it is to embrace the idea of stage Mm -hmm. managing because if you got a bunch of toys Kids are dumping out a bunch of crap all the time, you know, because it, it, it's toy yeah. based, right? And, and this all these little boxes of of toys, uh-huh. which are usually single purpose kinds of things. And so once you've done yes. that single purpose twenty thousand times in a program where you spend ten hours a day, five days a week of your life, um, you got to create. You start turning it into right, right. Parts. You you you've <laughs> got to create excitement in other ways using those same toys, and then we get annoyed about it. <clears throat> spontaneously creating order out of disorder to make the possibilities clear to mm-hmm. the children and acknowledging that the classroom is the children's not the teachers and so she's always setting it up so that they can recreate yeah right it. so it, it so it's mm. so it's also being clear what what do i think my role is what do i think about children do i think they're de- deficient adults who need to be taught to be 
tidy grownups? Or do I really believe that they deserve this space and they deserve the time and the choice and the play? Yep. Yes. I like it. She says, I do a lot of low key picking up. I like that low key, low key like stealth. Yeah. She's so ahead of her time. Low key is so trendy. Right? <laughs> um, okay. Anything else about the stage manager? Um, I'm, I'm looking through uh, uh-huh. my highlights here, which is awesome podcasting. <laughs> um, oh, oh, seeing that transitions are, are, are scene changes. Oh, yes. More yes. theater lingo, right? A scene change. So this 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 act one, scene one was happening, and now scene two is happening, but starting to see transitions. And, you know, I got nothing other than that she made a parallel <laughs> there. You know, I'm not a lot. Of, I'm not a fan of a lot of stage or uh, of a lot of right. transitions. But seeing it, seeing it as a scene, I think that might help you see that if the kids are changing the play, perhaps maybe before you thought it was done or they've gone off in a whole yeah. new direction. I think I think it's actually a kind of a reverse mentality, like thinking that there, th- this is just a scene change uh-huh. within the play. I'm not thinking transition like clean up, we got to go outside, clean up, we got to walk to the classroom. I'm saying within uh-huh. the play. You might have gotten emotionally invested in the drama that was starting to play out, but the kids have now moved it to another thing. It's uh-huh. a scene change. That's I. You know, oh. I'm always I'm always talking about how we can change the language we use, and that's a, can be a good way to change our thinking and our actions or whatever. And I I think that's what you just described is if we think about scene changes instead of um, inconvenience, inconvenience or mess or short attention spans or all the other ways that we um, think to articulate our frustration with young children. Um, it, it can prod us in the right direction a little bit. They also do um, in this chapter, they, they actually specifically talk about the importance of loose parts and how that is more of a, you know, the, the, uh, da, 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 with plenty of loose parts that can be combined and recombined. They loose parts will support the creation of complex play scripts. So the play continues to go uh-huh. on and on and on. Um, Organic materials such as sand, water, movable boards, and ramps encourage flexibility, novelty, and uh-huh. and challenge. And and this was published when lots of years ago, right? Uh, yeah, lots and lots of years. This, well, this was mm-hmm. the second edition, so I I don't know. I have the yeah. first one and the second one. But before anyway. the loose parts uh-huh. sensation started. <laughs> oh well, loose. Well, we know this, right? But loose parts started seventy one when Nicholson you know, wrote his article. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and then actually somebody somebody actually reached out the other day other month I know time is all relative and said you know everybody kind of throws it at not throws it but everybody credits mm-hmm. um Nicholson but actually there was talk about what he then oh. called loose parts but the loose parts Started conversation with... apparently was happening oh. before that um uh, amongst creatives gotcha. um we we kind of jumped on it as the idea of you know all the junk from the side of the road this counts uh-huh. as a loose part but, but yeah, that was so before the trend, uh, then maybe I'll say, yeah. Before the trend, yeah. Before the trend. I mean, yeah. it's trendy now, but I'm like, yep. oh, <laughs> yeah, but so Reggio, and they toured, their first Reggio tour, uh, the first 100 Languages of Children tour through North America was in 1988. <laughs> you know, but people like, but Reggio right. is so cool and modern, and now it is. Right. Glad you know about it. It's been exactly. around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, and timing the curriculum also, that's, a, a I think, a nice, a nice, uh, a nice concept of of being being very very right. flexible 
timing the curriculum. That's a great, a great phrase for it. And just to remind ourselves that if we're talking about stage management as setting up the environment, then our schedule and our time expectations are part of the environment. <clears throat> and I would say that the continuous theme through this particular chapter comes back to reducing your need for uh -huh. control and reducing the need of your uh -huh. own ego. Which is hard, we know. But worth it and, and yeah. what kids and, need from us, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you do it, your job really it does. does get It's hard easier. to sell and, people that if, before the fact, but. And, and I tell people, you're not going to believe it until yeah. you actually see it. Yeah. You're, you're not. You're not. And I'm not looking I'm not looking after the easy like, oh, it's so much easier now. It's just that you're not so mm -hmm. stressed out. Right, because you've let go of that control that stresses you out. You've let go yep. of it. And, and and I'm sorry that let it go brings up bad memories for some <laughs> of you, but that are listening, but you really do. I love it before frozen when you were you could say to people, no let kidding. it go without Bert, them yes. like Yeah. Um fun fact, I've never heard the song from beginning to end. I, I've never no. Oh, that's you want me to fine sing it for you. <laughs> that's I'm good. Um, I just have seen children sing snippets of it. I've never heard the whole song. Um, okay, so if we're gonna get through these, we better move to the next one. <laughs> um, teacher as mediator is the next role. Oh, I thought we were doing each other. Oh, a did you? Episode. Oh. I did. No, I Sorry. thought we'd do a couple in each episode. If that's okay with Got you. It. Okay. Okay. Sure. Mediator. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was just jumping in. I thought it was going to be five separate episodes for you. Well, um, I guess it could be, but we'll have to do a little editing. <laughs> Clip this bit out so everybody knows how smooth and prepared we are. <laughs> teacher as um, mediator. So teacher as me mm -hmm. mediator. Which, which, of course, what's a, your first thought that comes up is yes. like conflict resolution, right? Or referee or, you know. What, what's that? Yep. What's that about? Teacher, exactly. teacher, And I think teacher. The, the little nutshell that I have in my notes is that this is modeling and explaining problem-solving skills, which could be during conflict, but could also just be, you know, they're in the middle of play and they can't find a prop or, you know, they can't decide which direction to go or they need something else. Or going back to the figure ground, going back to the figure ground relationship, if the child while they're playing is so focused on their own play, whatever that might look like, whether it's digging in a sandbox or building a block tower, it's not that they got, they intentionally knocked somebody's thing down. It's just they, they literally right. didn't see it. They weren't aware of the fact that their play might have been spilling into the play of somebody else. And they straight yeah. up say that, <laughs> that um, among animals, children, and nations, <laughs> territorial problems often lead to conflict, which is so true. Um, and I couldn't help but not hearing Dan's voice. I don't know if that was too many double <laughs> negatives. But all I heard as I reread this chapter was stop making moral yes. issues oh, out God, of development. Another one of my favorite quotes ever. Um, yeah, and one of the things that, that they really talk about in this section is to stop focusing on the violation of rules and focus on the content of the play. So um, if you have a yeah. rule that we don't knock somebody else's tower down, then every time that happens, we've got to get all up in a tizzy about it. Riled but up. if instead we're just looking at what is happening in front of us and we realize that, you know, they're just still figuring out how their bodies work in space. And sometimes that means their foot hits someone else's block tower or, or another, another person, person. Right. Um, 
then that changes how we respond and how we see our role. And, uh, and I would circle back to the episode that, that we unpacked uh, a couple times ago, which is that understanding uh-huh. versus patience. If you are, if you, if you are a regular listener and if you're not go back and listen to that one. Um, but if you're, if you're bringing your patience bucket <laughs> to the table, you are going to run out of patience. Uh-huh. You're going to run out. Oh, my God. He's always knocking stuff down. Oh, my gosh. This kid every single day is not. But if you're understanding where they are developmentally, you're not going to be as reactive when you mediate certain situations. Yeah. One of the other things in this section um, is was when they talked about children's agendas not matching. um, And then our role is to to sort of make those connections for them. And sometimes it's as simple as saying out loud what you think just happened and leaving it at that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. oh, you didn't, you didn't see his tower and, and, and you bumped it with your elbow and now we get to rebuild it. You know, just something really simple like that. Um, just articulating what's it's a happening. Speaker phone. Yes. It's, it's just putting, it's putting out into the air what, what you uh-huh. just saw and, and not you're not filtering it through any kind uh-huh. of interpretation you're just stating yeah. the facts yeah um so i i'm trying to think of the specifics of this example but there were two little boys and they're they're four one was five one was four and um the five-year-old who has older brothers um was doing that put the toy in front of you and then pull it away, put the toy in front of you that I'm sure he had experienced a hundred times with his older brothers. And the, the little, the younger one who was trying to get the toy was very frustrated by that. And at the end of that, that day, the teacher that I was coaching wanted to talk about it. And I said, well, you know, all you really needed to do there was articulate what was going on. You didn't need to fix anything. And she said, yeah, that's what I did. I I told the older child that he was making the younger child really unhappy and um, that he should stop teasing and and all this. I said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. You could have just said something like, um, does your brother play with you that way? (laughs) That's fun for you, you know, but but he doesn't like it right now. Or, um, you know, know, just describing what you see in that sports broadcasting. He keeps waving that toy in front of your face. Right. Yeah. And there it is. And you can diffuse so many situations by just, just being, the facts. No know. emotional response. Right. No We're not talking about morals. You don't know if he's frustrated or not. So why are you throwing that at? Right. You know, who knows? Exactly. Who knows what's going on? Yeah. State the facts. Yeah. He's waving that toy in front of your face and you are crying. <laughs> yeah. It looks like you don't like it. <laughs> But being okay, and this goes that next layer of the onion, being okay to sit in that space and not be in a hurry to fix it or make it better. Mm -hmm. And that has come, my comfort with that has definitely increased with experience and age. Absolutely. And so no hurry to make this better. Yeah. If we think about what a mediator's role really is, it's not always to solve the problem. It's just to create a system where both parties can say what they need to say or hear each other or uh, engage more calmly than they would if that other person wasn't there in the middle. It's not always to say, it's not always judge. Mediation is different than judging or deciding or, um, or, or controlling. It's, it's modeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and that's hard and to, to do. And to go back to the stage manager component mm-hmm. too, if you are overly distracted by your schedule or staying on task or we got to get to this or we got to get to that, that adds to the difficulty of feeling comfortable and confident yeah. of sitting in the space. Yeah. If and and I'm not judging, I'm really not when I say this, but if in your brain you find yourself being like, "Oh shit, we got to get snack out." <laughs> You are going to be in a hurry to put resolution on the situation. And the reality is, is that you're going to resolve it to your, to something in your world, mm-hmm. not to where the kids need or want it to go. Right. And, and lose a lot of opportunity to help Correct. them grow and develop. In that, I said in to that a process. workshop group a couple weeks ago that, that my job is not to make every situation better. Mm-hmm. My job is to assist kids in developing the tools that they need to navigate these situations when they come up in the future. Right, right. Because if we solve everything and send them on, they're just going to keep relying on other people to solve things for them. If we model and coach and uh, sort of, I'll say scaffold, even though I don't really like that word most, most of the time, then we give them just what you're describing, the tools to do it on their own when those skills have developed. Yes. Um, and we, we really have to trust the process and trust children to believe that that's worth our time. And being sent to time out does not no, deepen. it does not. No. God. And the, so there's um, the reality, too, that the words that we use during those mediation events, whatever you, those, those opportunities, um, that, that external talk that we provide can become their self-talk as they hear it a lot and they've had consistent experiences with it and and then they have some of that language they need to process it. So there's a language development component in there too um, that contributes to the social and emotional development yeah. as we know it's all exactly. tied together. Never, that's, that, that might be a really hard, one of the hardest roles for me, honestly, even now. Especially if other people are around, man. You feel like you've got to solve problems and you feel like you've got to um, or, or what? It looks like you're not doing your job. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even even now, that's a difficult one for me sometimes. I I find that the speakerphone component assists in reframing <clears throat> situations, both for the adults that are in the room as well as for the children. Yeah. One of the one of the things. That yes. Is, yeah. Right. So I was outside and uh, just wandering around at a, at a child care center. And I wandered into the toddler yard and I, I could see that the teachers were getting frustrated. And one of the kids was just riding his bike consistently just into the side of the building. <laughs> and, and all I said, I, I, I had no agenda at all. I walked up and I was like, wow, you are really just banging the side of this, <laughs> this building with your bike. And the teacher looked at me. I kid you not, Heather. Her mouth dropped, her eyes opened, and all she said was, I didn't see it like that. (laughs) You know, like she just saw like this defiant kid who wouldn't stop banging again. I'm like, you know, you're just banging. Like, like, like dial it back. They probably had like destruction and all those fun words going through their head. Um, And she'd move them away physically and he'd ram back to the side of the building. And you're just doing it. (laughs) And she's like, thank you for that, you know? Yeah. You're wondering what happens when you throw the beanbag across the room. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. It is. All we're, I do is mediating for the other adults sometimes. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yep. Um, I'm I'm looking to see if I had any sidebar notes. Um, yeah, I'm. 
boom. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have this. Yeah, I mean, we sort of. There's an art to that, and I don't want to reduce this. To me, this is a. To me, this is one of the serious secrets of good teaching uh-huh. is how to be always in the middle, but never in the way. Oh. You know, to be seen but uh-huh. unseen. I had a child tell me that one time. I swear to God, to oh. this day, it's the biggest compliment that I have ever, ever, ever received. He said, "Miss Lisa, you're always in the middle, but you're never in the way." Wow. I, forever scanning. Mm-hmm. But I do not need to be in the middle right. of, of, of anything at right. all. Right. But I am a wicked, amazing observer. Right. Like I, you know, and I'm because I'm constantly just paying attention because I'm not distracted by executing a lesson plan or a curriculum or, you know, I'm not distracted by that stuff. Yeah. So I, I actually think yeah. it's it's this interesting tipping point where when you and let some of that show. other stuff go, go you actually become better at your craft. Because you have time to get better at your craft. Right, right. Oh, and just to think about it as a craft can, and, and not a job or a calling, oh. <laughs> I think, can, can really make a difference, too. Uh, yeah. All right. So so we did two of them, and we're at half an okay, hour. Okay, so that's... That's, we that's, should pro- we should probably end okay. this episode. Well, leave it is one. Leave it is one. Others. One episode that we've unpacked yep. two of yep. them. We got three more. We got together. it. Oh, All okay. right. All right. So I hope everyone comes back for more of of those teacher roles. And thanks for listening. The plays the thing. Elizabeth Jones, Gretchen Reynolds. Teachers' roles in children's play. Awesome. It's awesome. Thanks, Heather. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Bye, everybody. Bye.